0: to thank um, Alan Delosier who is with the um, University Arch, he's University Archivist, and Jean Brazili who is the um, manager, Manager yeah, gallery director, director, gallery director for the Walsh Gallery currently um, from- the house in Walsh Library hopefully, <laughs> moving forward as well and the archives as well um, for agreeing um, for to, to have this conversation um, I, this idea of using the archive materials is something I'm very interested in and um, I, I tapped into the gallery for a number of different things. So, um, all right, so uh, Alan, are you gonna, you're, do you want to talk first? Sure.
1: Okay. She's our headliner. I'll be the other one. Okay. So, we'll help you along the way. We've heard her. Okay. Thanks again. Great. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mary. And uh, thanks to you, Wilson, for the honor and support. Uh, thanks to everybody for coming. And thanks to my colleague, Gene. Now, it's my pleasure to talk to you a little bit about teaching outside the classroom. Some initial uh, unique ways of uh, engaging the faculty in terms of conversation and also in terms of application, of primary source documentation. So what I'll do is I'll give you some examples. So if it looks a little like me, 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 what I did what I did, I'll explain that a little bit more as a collaborative and I'll talk more about that in a moment. But first, just in case uh, any of you are over I just want to give you sort of a background about what we do in Archives of Special Collections. Um, I'm not going to read every slide because that would be probably for a little in especially lunch lunchtime. So <laughs> I have handouts for everybody. And as Mary said, so this is going to be the film for a limited usage, so you can always stand on That's my disclaimer. But anyway, what we do is we work with the community, faculty, students, administrators, the general public. Even today we have a researcher from New York who's doing research on how to call The People of Hope. So you never know one day to the next who's going to come in and what they're going to request. Mm-hmm. With that said, our major three collections encompass, of course, institutional history in Seattle university. Um, institutional records are very popular, especially in terms of class assignments, but also in terms of administrative needs. A lot of week goes by that we don't get a handful of requests at the very least in terms of various aspects of university history. But then we get into the Archdiocese of York, which is a story unto itself. Um, we are a repository of the historical record of the uh, city of York. But also on a great grander scale, the Catholic New Jersey experience. What we do is we collect a number of parish histories, uh, research articles and different materials for different Catholic parishes throughout the state of New Jersey. Just a very short history lesson. The Diocese of New York was created in 1853. And before that time, New Jersey was split between the uh, Diocese of New York and the Diocese of Philadelphia. And between 1853 and 1881, New York had the entire state to itself in terms of spiritual jurisdiction for Catholics within uh, the state. And from 1881, the Diocese of Pratt was created, and that split, and then there were further splits as we went into the, early the 19th century, 20th century. So that just gives you sort of a background about some of our major areas. And this gives you, it gives you a little bit of a date range on it as well. St. Paul University from our family, 1856 in Madison, 1860 when to South Orange. As I mentioned, the Diocese, and then later Archdiocese of York 1852 to the present. And only documentation, and this is interesting, I'm working on a book about early Catholic documents within New Jersey from various repositories, including my own, from the 17th century all the way up to the founding of the diocese. And then we also have various specialized manuscript collections. That's something that a lot of uh, academic and even uh, any type of institution has an archival repository. Heiser had on in terms of uniqueness, specialization, and trying to have that unique dimension that will help in terms of knowing what they do, but also offering the public something very fresh, special, and very um, interesting in terms of their own research agenda. So our big three are political, religious, and cultural. Now, we have various papers that have connections to Catholic New Jersey or Seton Hall. For example, Richard J. Hughes, the first Catholic governor of New Jersey. Um, who was elected the year after President Kennedy. And a lot of interesting materials in that collection, for example, about civil rights movement. New Jersey during the 1960s, a very interesting time in terms of uh, what's going on statewide. Bernard Chandler, who was President Eisenhower's main administrator, one of his uh, secretaries, who also ran for Senator in 1958. And other types of political collections that give the outlook about New Jersey and also uh, local, national, and actually international, perspective, depending upon the uh, content and scope. But this is for a later visit for more details. And then religious, which is natural as a religious institution, the Seton family, on the other city. We do have one letter collection that was written by Mother seed in the, uh, the 18th century. And it's interesting in terms of family connections going forward. Various um, children, grandchildren, and other relatives in the family are connected to various papers that we have. And also, our wonderful Judeo Christian Studies Institute, mm-hmm. Father Lawrence Grizel, and um, his continuation of educating people within this particular discipline. We have the oldest Judeo Christian Studies Institute in the country, apparently, affiliated with the uh, college or university in 1953. And that gets a lot of usage, and it's really a great opportunity to educate people, not just on Catholicism, but on a wider scope of religious thought, feeling, and practice. And then cultural, just one example, is the UNA-USA collection, United States Association of the United States of America. One standard ties is the school diplomacy. What has come out of our papers that we found on the campus, There is programming and website development in terms of... Educate people about what the United Nations is doing, especially from a domestic standpoint and support. And then of course our uh, URL. Uh, we try to sneak that contact information wherever we can. So the handouts are there and again for people who are watching, thinking they're there Now just very briefly resource types. Again, most people when they pick their traditional archives. I know the term archive or archiving or archives. Let's think about a whole new meaning in this technological world, you know, archiving email and. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 for example. But in terms of uh, old school, traditional types of resources, paper, photographs, artifacts, and other types of things that really connect in terms of the field, but also gives a unique dimension. Formats, we embrace any type that has an information needs to it in some form or fashion. Just two examples photographs are very popular, of course. One of our early classes, 1872, and then, of course, a wonderful uh, nursing class from the mid 1960s, we are working on a collaborator, which is interesting. So, you <laughs> <thing, laughs> hey, you never know what you're going to find in the do right? And, of course, the old saying, a picture is worth a thousand words." Maybe not a thousand, but, you know, every picture tells a story and it gives context to a particular event person, place, thank you, and so forth. So all of this ties together regardless of format, in terms of the importance, of uh, progressing and uh, promoting archival endeavor. Okay, I say from traditional to digital and beyond, I want to thank Mary for this because we have the seat grant for uh you know, one of the ones that we're doing. Interfaith dialogue, ethnicity gender, racial studies is just one of many digital projects uh, that have used archival resources to some extent within various faculty projects. This is one that I've done in terms of um, trying to do some of our materials. This hasn't been updated in about a year, but it's on the watch pad to add more content. And of course, the, uh, well, the the opening graphic there is from our very first edition of the Catholic Advocate, which is the uh, uh, newspaper in the U.S. 1951, and it pretty much spells out what the um, goals and the uh, aims of the study to put date. Don't worry, there's more confidence than something on of We i don't have lots of images, lots of text. So. <laughs> this is very <laughs> you. What year is that from? 1951. Okay. So, and the spot, and so forth. So, just mm-hmm. one among many examples. And as I mentioned at the beginning, it's not just about me, it's about, there collaborations with the reports. Mm-hmm. It's something that I really take to heart, because the philosophy of archival association, especially the way you know I try to you know, approach it and so forth, I'm very humble. And a lot of the research projects are coming, student endeavors and requests are coming. Some people ask um, or saying, personally, say personal says, oh I'm an alumnus. No, we're happy with help are you that we're on an alumnus. And this might be a better policy, but no, no such thing. If something is important to a person, the way I look at it, that has to be treated with really high respect in terms of Find as much information as we can. And like if we can't find it, or partially, we always try to run, you know, kept with somebody else or some other repository or what have you. So these are the big three true collaboration and partnership. Any request that comes in is a partnership. Yeah, you know, it's not just about me you know, getting a box something and somebody researching know. It's about the person who's exploring what we have and trying to be exhaustive. Thoroughness is really important. Mutual learning sharing, I learned that and then anybody who comes in, they're they're teachers to me and teachers to society. They're um, really educating the individuals, and if they're in a the class, they're educating the professors as well. So I really take this to heart as well. Learning early sharing, again, continued exposure of opportunity. Keeping, uh, you know, it's hard to promote the archives in the real We really want to do like some uh, gallery tours and other types of things. Uh, because we're always open to ideas about promotion. Always trying to promote. Uh, or people know about what our awareness you know, is. Sometimes it gets buried um, in the course of the semester. But with that said, this is part of why I'm happy to be here today. And thanks to Mary for allowing myself and June to speak about opportunities for faculty to help the cause forward in terms of um, sharing what we have. That calls the mutual archival institution. Um, basically, again, encouraging usage of primary sources. Regular affiliation, this is always the goal in terms of regardless of what discipline, what theme or subject. I'm just going
0: really.
2: um, the to
1: talk to you really. Peter Schein's symposium is supposed to be here. Does anybody know exactly where? The agent. Oh, the agent is on the fourth floor. floor. On the fourth floor? Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. a good question. It's all good. So we're always trying to like, tie in faculty. I,
0: I think mean, they were going to say they had to be in here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just wait for yeah, an hour. come on in. Exactly.
1: Okay. <laughs> so anyway, we're always trying to have like uh, faculty have archival component and it. And it's hard now now because uh, faculty, teaching faculty have one agendas. Our mm-hmm. focus, which is really vital to school's uh, welfare on one mm-hmm. But we're always trying to like do what we can do promote like, that. Right? generalization, and then work in the university community, regardless of faculty, administration, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I sound like the commercial message, but all of this a sudden it has to do Now some people find this hard to believe, or maybe not. The average between 900 and 1100 research questions a year. That's uh, mm-hmm. a yeah, lot of different types, mostly email. some through phone, some walk-ins, and so forth. Mm-hmm. The big bulk comes from classes and classroom assignments. So that
2: doesn't even include web 'Cause a lot of your you do have with that with a T available on the web too. We
1: do, yeah, that's not even thank you, wow. so you know, <laughs> yeah. I just wanna no, yeah, it's, more yeah. my head, it's, it's more
0: than you're even expressing. Right. She's <laughs> also
1: she has a calendar for people who go to the gallery, that's one way of coming, oh. and then web presence. Yeah. Okay. Now we used to have a calendar for people who come in, mm-hmm. I would come in several times. <laughs> 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 Seriously, yeah. No, but that's true, again yeah, there's you know, there's other people who are finding things on our website too yeah, mm-hmm. if you look at it is provider in terms of special events. I've worked with your colleague Karen and on Women's College, which is always a highlight of the year. She is tremendous in terms of planning. Of course, this wonderful Peter Schein exposition annual event, and there's a lot of good content going on in terms of papers, presentations, and other things. And of course, Charlie, which is nearly dear. Celebration of university history, the mission and objectives of the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then especially focused on archival collections and uh, accessibility and library research. I'm like wow. a broken record, micro- a 78 RPM, mm-hmm. speaking historically, but even a mm-hmm. play album to research and awareness. So I'm going to give you a few just uh, special initiatives that I've worked with. These are just a few of the uh, many mm-hmm. that I've worked with. Annually we do something with a seminary on Twitter faculty. He teaches New Jersey Catholic history as a natural fit. Mm-hmm. He brings the seminary over. We had this wonderful pro- uh, program It was a one-time thing, Essence Essexville Tech. Um, mm-hmm. I think Gene knew about this, and I was uh, sharing as we went along, the Donald Payne papers which came in a few years ago. Mm-hmm. They did a wonderful project in terms of um, students giving their impressions of Congressman Payne and school is going to be remaining really as So it's you know, sort of like a help in terms of their own you know, research and background. So you we know, help with use museum studies. Gene does an a job with like, the students in the other class and so forth. But we have various uh, students coming in. And then from time to time, you now over the years, we've had professors you who know, are doing ask for archival and other you know, types of one-plus mm-hmm. Then some of this research happened last year. Uh, I've worked with Diane and on resources. i give an overview of the university district to newcomers to campus. And also a little bit about archival resources. And a lot of other things for my colleagues. Absolutely. It's all good. So that's a monthly uh, gig, which has really been wonderful. I've got a lot of great feedback from that. Communication and Arts, uh, Dr. Kimball, Dr. Schechter. Classroom assignments. This is part of that hope for more embedding and more like annual, like go arounds in terms of having archives as a component within the curriculum of various faculty members. Dr. Joe said this has been really rewarding really as well. Every year at the graduate level, you know, what kind of resources can help um, in terms of their own particular papers. And we've had two people this year who have actually presented at Peter Schein based on some things that we've provided for them, so all credit to them. Mm-hmm. And then Dr. Pizzo from Anthropology, you know, in terms of a natural fit, the human experience and documentation, which is what it comes as and then of course, Anthropology, Sociology, about you know, the study of human being. So all of that lot goes together in a very positive and very nurturing way. Okay, just a little bit of self-promotion. This is the course I'm teaching this semester, who's and public experience. Mm-hmm. Spiritual Salmon at the Springsteen. I think mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. put Springsteen mm-hmm. in anything, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. they would have to look at science. Just mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. a slide in there, I actually visit, the a Bruce Springsteen archive at Monmouth University, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to reach out there to see if they have content that we can help. Sorry, what university? Monmouth University. Monmouth does, okay. Yeah. It makes sense. It's very good. Mm-hmm. And it's a great split. But anyway, first descriptions, we make archival uh, materials, we try to, it's hard for online course, I'll, I'll give you, uh, it's really hard to do online credit and also archival hands-on, but we try to work with the students in terms of digitized material and encourage them to come and use the resources. But primary sources are learning things we try to learn, um, and encourage everybody online. Just one minute of the uh, examples of course, last March was the high of holy season in the Irish studies, and uh, I think about five or six talks. and it was uh, really moving. But again, helping out with uh, various faculty members was great. Dr. Raymond from the uh, History Department did something on the Book of Cells.
0: It
1: was tied to medieval studies, and it was really great to bring our that similar and copy out. The students were really engaged, I and mean, giving background uh, about the history of the book, it's jewelry, it's odyssey to the College. Mm-hmm. It also has significant meanings, especially for emojis, um, societal and uh, other types of background in terms of the work itself, and how popular it is, and why it's so uh, in terms of its content. Can I just add like a little factoid for that, please?
2: Do you know that the GE logo is based on some of the imagery in the Book of Kells? Yeah. I was fascinated to find that out. Like the else? GE logo with the little, like, the round logo, and right. the white letters, and the blue background, right. like the old school, those little, like, uh, thingies yeah. at, like no. the, at the 12, 3, 6, and 9 uh, o'clock, right. that's all from the Book oh, like okay. of cool. It's like a stripped-down version of, like, the Celtic knot imagery in the house. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's so cool. I, Gene, I know.
1: So this is real, uh. This is great. Like, I found great. An the An <laughs> artist. Was it Irish?
0: Were they Irish to see in Tennessee
2: no, it's so <laughs> 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 <Yeah. Okay. laughs> yeah, It's a it's a style. And they were more... See, look, there's more uh, crossover knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> they, were, you know, they,
0: they were Celtic.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the... What's their... Uh, 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 what's their... Um, bring Good Things to Life? <laughs> <laughs> See, they bring good things to life. I'm remembering a little bit like 90 years ago. <laughs> that, that was one of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: so it has all kinds of applications. Yeah. So nice of the and then, of course, our friend Dr. Quinn. We always have the courses sent around and required for having um, primary sources of Irish, uh, things from all the families, uh the Irish distortion of this um, which has been very Because he teaches two sections, that's really helpful in terms of working with the students in terms of finding various things. There was a funny anecdote a few years ago before he had this requirement. Uh, I think one of the students had a. Um, I think their only bibliographical citation was the completely index value to the Irish history. <laughs> 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 so, going up from there. So, <laughs> and that segues into the history department mm-hmm. and the natural connection with archives and special collections. Mm-hmm. Bibliographic instruction, I mentioned Dr. Quinn, I've talked with Dr. Lori, Dr. Molesky, the terms of senior seminar various other research and classes. Dr. Fieldston is a mm-hmm. great collaborative because she's doing more modern history in mm-hmm. terms of she's done like uh, the original dance project in New York mm-hmm. and finding various landmarks and so forth. Something based on so it's like School of History from 1945 mm-hmm. It's funny how students ask for a lot of communist related materials. But mm. know, the mind of the students is awesome because you don't know what they're interested in mm. and if they've given not just even a paper, you just take even a lot in terms of what they to see. Just one of my many examples and research opportunities are various tips. Part two. Independent studies. Um, internships, history club, and summer series. Mm-hmm. I'm working with Dr. Jeznik, uh, who's the chair, in terms of the genealogy focus. I'm very happy to report I'm like three weeks away from graduating from the University of Limerick in terms of getting a certificate in local and family history studies. I can get my oh, raise up to awesome. speed. I, I say that because. What I take from like memory, I can always impart an experience And then They all will better bear I mind, they can teach you and Tara after I get a little bit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, uh, so it's, it's cyclical. So yeah. it's all there So is
0: it. the genealogy of history, is that one of the, like, the Duke being offered at the end of the summer, uh, the Great Minds Experiences? Thank you. Yes. They, uh, okay. I was going to you I was going to say Duke. Yeah. Get, well that it. was what they always recalled. But yeah, okay. So the great. of them have changed that term. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great Minds Experiences. So oh, okay. Okay
1: a little more catchy. Are Okay. You. Was, like, okay. And I'm going to move along here because I uh, have internship, internship, practical projects of various types. It's run the gamut. Um, nursing, humanities, and so forth. The nursing one's really interesting. We have a bunch of faculty members from the school of nursing mm-hmm. who are interested in preserving our history. So, working with them in terms of seeing what we have doing things in terms of eventual digitization but really making sure they know what we have in our collection and also helping in terms of promoting among nursing faculty, you know, different initiatives and going forward. And we're happy to report we've had two students in the last, uh, three years three so years going on and having, you know, their own majors to library school and, you know, work of the So it's been really gratifying. I
0: guess I guess
1: Okay, symposia conferences, local history. We've done a lot of things over the past um, few years. And again, I say read because I work with a lot of organizations in terms of what's going on. Um, and I always try to, I'd say nine out of ten presentations have some component from our collection in it. And I try to promote whatever we can, and that's all part of the, uh, the connection with the community. Not only academic, but uh, public history as well. This is one example I want to bring up. This is like one of my favorite weekends of the year. It's called dance It's an Irish immersion with Katie Carl students. I've been doing this for about 10 years. And it never gets old. These students are really engaged. They learn all kinds of aspects of Irish culture, school, language, art, literature, and so forth. And one of the things that happens is that they really learn and apply more handouts with information and so forth. And this thing is really well structured. And We're trying to build on this for it's sort of a model for an uh, adult in a skull, but also in terms of other types of uh, historical enterprise, not just Irish, but things down the road. Mm-hmm. So it's something that, if you want more information, happy to provide it. And that's my friend Siobhan, who talks about Brent and We have a number of instructors who come in and, and work a lot Research reasons like political, again, I'm still an Irish thing, you know, outside the box. One of our most utilized resources is family history, genealogy, and within the Catholic Church, Sacramento, especially. I always talk about shared experience in terms of family history, and many times if somebody's looking for a research focus that they're not, you know, a share of what they're going to pursue, I always try to stay towards family history. What speaks to you, what's your passion, what are you interested in because of becoming more engaged? Mm-hmm. And thinking outside the box. Straight genealogy is basically being like, so, uh, the name of the series, the birth and so forth. Thinking about shared life, what's your favorite sports team? What's the history of that sports team? Did you and your father and mother be able to sporting events? If you drew for so political, employers, organizations, parades of business, how many people have witnessed that Patrick's and so it always gets like, yeah, oh, we love for Parades have a history, and that has a shared experience. Mm-hmm. And there's so much that you can do for that. Okay, future objectives to classroom assignments, history of the book, various classes, world history, and so forth. There's a lot of different things that are going on out there. This is the organization I belong to. We do a lot of um, information, and we also are interested in um, supporting uh, research initiatives. We supported, um, one person was doing something on like the processes in Spanish, Florida, New Jersey. So um, we have $1,000 grants, many grants, application. I'll put that out there if anybody wants to apply. We the community that works on applications and we're happy to support the research and those things. resources for the handout, our homepage mm-hmm. for the handout, and of course, kudos to June because June's been wonderful in terms of support of different types of mm-hmm. this. Jerry Shea was there, we just did one on the uh, Easter Rise in the Irish Experience. The one on the left is the one from the uh, History of college education the 50th anniversary. The one on the right is from the Dr. Luce, who is one of our first Asian professors, and a really a tremendous rare person. So thanks to Gene for the support. And this is one of many value collaborations going forward. And I'm, not, I'm out of time, and I'm gonna turn so I'm going to um, get out of this. You put up a quote Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of great information. Thank you. And well, thanks for your interest. Um, <laughs> maybe, and I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: what kind of projects I could do. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, I teach early America. Or, like, New York is what I'm doing now. And so I'm not sure what, if
1: the archives don't go back far enough to me. No problem. We'll, right? we'll fit it in, no problem. Well, the American <laughs> history. We will have, have things some things for you. Yeah, and we have rare book <laughs> collections too, so people can one in so I don't have to, like, undo uh, Yes. Yeah,
0: we yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. were just awesome. there. We do three field <laughs> tests, If they get, get to see one, if you do fantastic, you're archives. Oh Three years, Wall Street. Yeah, that's a good point. I used to work there. We yeah. used to I we we always data a stop. We just we used to do a lower Manhattan tour we would to go there because Hamilton of is very new yeah. restaurant. So with what's the name? Oh his light frame is sitting there. Oh right, Yeah, right. So Anyway, there's also like John Jay. And so yeah, there are a few other people in there too, but everybody wants to see Hamilton. And they clean the tubes the, the the you know whatever the monument too. So yeah.
2: The only thing that's white in the entire cemetery, everything else is gray and dark, and then there's this big white thing. Right. So <laughs> cleaned
0: it up, right? It's yeah. A good yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, hey, it's a big tourist draw, so. yeah. All right, so Jean, thank
2: you. This is fabulous. I love the gallery too. Me too. Thanks for your support. Um, so I would like to tell you a little bit about the gallery services, and there is a little bit of an overlap um, with the archives for certain, and to some degree even with the library, because you know we're all part of the same machine. We just kind of disseminate information in different formats, but we're really all here for the same purpose, which is to support scholarship and also create some scholarship of our own. My scholarship is very often in the form of catalog essays, text labels, um, and exhibits themselves, because that represents years of research very frequently. Um, So here's a little bit more about the gallery. Um, I just wanted to note we do about five exhibits a year. We do two each semester, and we do a summer show. Um, Two of those exhibition slots are fully given over to students. Mm -hmm. One slot is given to the Museum Studies students, um, sort of as a thesis called Producing an Exhibition Mm -hmm. and it's the culmination of the work they do in the Museum Studies program. Uh, The other slot that's student-oriented is the show that's happening now and happens every year in April and May. It's the Fine Arts Student Annual, and it's an exposition of all the student artwork to celebrate their achievements, and uh, there's an award ceremony associated with that uh, exhibition as well. It's our best-attended exhibit of the year, just simply because of the sheer number of Artworks in it, and the number of students participating—they they love seeing their art in the gallery, and I'm one that. Um, we also host and this is, and this is maybe a lot of area for collaboration and cooperation between me and faculty and students um, in the area of receptions, but even more so in programs because I'm very open. And uh, Mary can attest to that mm-hmm. because we've worked together on a few things in mm-hmm. the past. We're very open to working on program- programming together. So the gallery starts planning their shows two to three years in advance. Um, and we roll out like the final um, yearly calendar of exhibitions every year around May or June depending on when the university releases their final dates for the upcoming academic year. It allows me to finalize my programs. Um, so you can find all that information in a variety of places if you look. If you look at the bottom of the screen. Um, it's released on our website. It's released on our Facebook page. It's on the library blog. Uh, Comedy Arts, whom we collaborate with quite a bit, they include our programs in their um, flyers and postcards. Uh, we also have the special collections blog where a lot of that is rolled out as well Um, and you can reach out to me. I can give you the urls or I can give you my business card if you need to um, have that information. I can get it to you. And our opening receptions usually take place um, on a Wednesday or Thursday evening, usually until about 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night and it's a way to meet the artists and just get a preview of shows, maybe be treated to an artist talk. And for students, you know, there's always the draw of being served. <laughs> <laughs> but here's really the crux of where uh, my philosophy for the gallery is, and the philosophy of the library with regard to the gallery. It's really a laboratory for learning. We're using primary. Um, Oh, you mm-hmm. thank, thank you. We're using the primary objects uh, you know, primary source materials as a way for learning, and that can happen in the context of an exhibit in the gallery proper, but that can also happen in terms of searching our collections, both looking through our database. We have a lot of our objects digitized with images and related information in a database called Past Perfect. You can make a research appointment, and I'll talk about that in a moment to search through that database to find materials that you might want to research or highlight in the context of a project. And then further contextual information may be found in the archives in their uh, in their uh, in their materials, in their holdings. So there really is a purpose and a synergy between our two departments. Mm-hmm. So you can keep a record of each exhibit. We, we do that, that too. We actually oh. have an archive that is <laughs> <we> search. <laughs> we have, a, well, there's a couple of things we do. Mm-hmm. So, some of the content is going to be backed up on um, in an archival collection that's held in archives, mm-hmm. but some of that material is just uh, available on our website. So, if you want to search an old catalog mm-hmm. from a past show and you don't have the opportunity to look in the stacks because Martha does. Uh, the catalog, catalogs. Catalog. Catalog. <laughs> yeah, the physical catalogs are in the stats, but there are PDF copies also available on the website to download. So that, and we do get a lot of hits. we And that shows up in the catalog record. They have the books. Mm-hmm. So you have to call them to retrieve the book, but you have the link to the mm-hmm. online pool. Yeah, thank you. Exactly. So we try to make it widely available and disseminate it in a variety of ways. Um, and it really is a space for collaboration, too, as you just spoke about some of the synergies between our departments, but also collaborative programming, collaborative, um, uh, you know, all sorts of ways that we can work together, and I'll get into that right about now. So here are some of the resources for students and faculty and visitors from the general public. It's not limited to the community. I kind of see the gallery as an ambassador to the larger uh, public. So we do host class visits and they can be independent visits where the professor has a specific uh, series of talking points or a lecture in mind and I'm totally cool if you make an appointment with me just so I do expect you, make sure I have adequate staffing, uh, make an appointment and you can guide your class around the gallery if you know what you would like to speak about or You can have a guided tour and I'm more than happy to take you through the subject matter and show you some highlights of the show and I can tailor a talk for any number of purposes. Um, We do also do self-guided student visits or independent visits. Very often professors will assign extra credit coursework, or just coursework based on a writing assignment like a creative writing assignment or a small research project that may entail the use of something in the context of an exhibit. We also host those research appointments I told you about, so you can actually physically search our database, but after you find something that might interest you, you can make a secondary appointment. We can't do it in the same day, um, but we can make a secondary appointment where we can make the actual object available to you so that you can see it. Um, because as we all know, a gallery, it's wonderful to search things digitally, but really the object Um, in person will tell you so much more. As Alan mentioned, we also have the opportunity for display windows. And that is, that. so display windows, there's an interface where you can request a display window. I'll talk about that in a second and give you the URL. Um, It's on a first come, first serve basis. It's available to the general public, students or faculty. Um, I'll get into the specifics of that in a moment. This is just the overview. And we also, I mentioned earlier that Mary and I have worked together. So in the past we've had things like um, a show with the theme of the novel Moby Dick Mm -hmm. and Mary was wonderful and brought in a a scholar who created the Moby Dick um, digital archive. Mm -hmm. And so he gave a talk during the run of the show and so it was two different angles. Uh, To explore the same subject and it poured into two different audiences, and it was another way to reinforce the themes Mm -hmm. and the subject of the show. And it was fascinating to see some of those original galleys in like super high res Mm -hmm. and with the context of like what it was like for Melville while he was going through the publishing process. So let's talk a little bit more about class visits and guided gallery tours. Um, Here's an example of Dr. Jurgen Heinrichs talking. Uh, along with myself, we kind of played tag team on that one, so I'm very flexible. I can work in, just ask me if you have an idea. Mm -hmm. I don't want to dictate what your classes need or what your professors might need. You you Feel free to come to me and be like, hey, I want to do this. How can you help me? That's what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. So this is me speaking to Dr. Heinrich's class, Art and Human Needs. I had a photography show up at the time, and it was about... um, the gas station has a cultural commons, basically. So it coincided with the art and human needs, right, a locus of human activity, fulfilling needs of small towns, but it also supported another module in his class on photography and American life. So um, there was a lot of overlaps there with the show. And we kind of just figured this out on the fly. And I like to do things in a conversational manner, I'm not really a lecturer. I like people interrupting me and asking questions, and as Alan said, I probably learn more from the public than they learn from me. That's the wonderful thing about teaching and giving tours. Um, Here's another instance, and these are just ideas, I don't mean to impose, it's just an example. Um, This is another gallery tour that I gave to graphic design students, and then after the tour, after they were treated to the subject matter of the paintings on display which related to graphic design. They gave they um, basically the presentations of their final projects. You can see the student on the left holding up their graphic design project and explaining it to the other classes, other classmates. And then we gave them feedback on the efficacy of their projects. So um, it basically served as a critique, a laboratory, rather than doing this in the classroom. And with the with the um, things behind them, that kind of made the subject matter a little bit more palpable. And I think also it frees people up when you're, not, when you're not in a classroom with chairs and desks and a rigid structure and people are kind of roaming around, they feel a little bit free to open up. And some people are better learners um, in this kind of context. Um, sometimes they just don't do so well learning out of a book or from a lecture. So this kind of draws people out in ways that are beyond um, interactions in the classroom. So um, during these tours, we can use uh, primary source materials to illuminate concepts that are introduced in the classroom, and there can also be follow-up exercises where the students come independently, or you can do something in the classroom. So, so uh, some examples are, you know, writing of short papers or creative essays. I've had students base business plans for the Stillman School of Business on, you know, putting together an exhibit or running an art enterprise, and that was really fascinating for me because. Uh, business of art is one of the things that I think is re- I, I talk about extensively. Um, I do a lot of lecturing like Alan, and a lot of promotion of the gallery in Seton Hall outside of the university and these are some of the things I speak about. I've also had students in journalism write about exhibits or just gallery operations in general or highlight student interns and what they're learning in the gallery. Um, again, that laboratory for learning is not just about art objects, it's about hands-on learning for people going into the arts or the humanities. Um, some people have done photo essays based on um, exhibits and um, there can be the written analysis of a formal or uh, critical analysis or contextual analysis of some of the exhibits that they're viewing. Um, but again, if there's other things that will help you in your classroom or help your faculty, um, I'm all ears. Like I don't want to dictate what works for you. I'm here um, to assist you in any way I can. So, with regard to independent and self-guided student visits, here's an example, um, I think this was Monsignor Liddy's, uh, one of his Catholic studies classes that's part of the core, and this happened so long ago in 2007, I cannot remember, uh, that was like 12 years ago, I can't believe that. Uh, but basically they were assigned a writing assignment and they came in on their own time, and they, they fulfilled the, the assignment, and I'm on, I'm on hand um, to answer questions, we also have a book at the desk for each exhibit with maybe a little more information about each show or about the artists or about the objects included in the show, so that can be included as a footnote or a source material. Um, there's wall text that they can quote, so it's also a good way for them to learn research techniques um, and learning how to just you know, compile a bibliography or citation on those. Um, We also had people coming during their class time with their instructor. They were given like a little primer like, hey, this is what you got to do. Maybe a 10-minute talk to orient them to the assignment, and then they were let loose and spent the rest of the time in the classroom just really looking at observing and taking notes so that they could later write an extended essay on the subject matter. And I think that's really a valuable tool is being able to see things in the flesh. There's so much more information Um, and there's so much more opportunity for conversation. I think a lot of learning happens communally and we, um, you know, very often we don't have enough of that kind of communal learning. I think the gallery is a good place to do that. So here's the research appointments part. So there's the URL, and since I'm going to provide the um, PowerPoint to Mary to put online, um, you can take that down, you can email me or it will be on the web shortly. So research appointments can take two forms. An individual student um, Trying to do research or an independent faculty member doing research, can make an appointment just for them to come and look through our database, um, with the ultimate goal may of looking at the actual object. Um, or you can schedule a class visit. We have some classes like um, history of graphic design, wanting to look through some of our Japanese prints, um, and we organize the selection of those prints for them in advance and when they came in they were just available in the reading room and then we gave them a short uh, tour and a viewing session on those materials and then they um, basically went back to the classroom and went back home and then wrote assignments based on that. Um, This is the part about I should have forwarded sooner. Um, So yeah, these are the kinds of things that you might see though when you come for your research appointment. here are some of the things we've got, and this is by no means limited to this. Not everything is in the database, we're working on it. It's a very long process, um, but we have Native American artifacts like that basket you just saw. Uh, we have an extensive print collection that includes like contemporary prints. It includes 16th and century, 17th century etchings. We have things from Salvador Dali, uh, George Rouleau, uh, Pablo Picasso, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, what we've got back there. I would love to share it with more people. We have a lot of sports ephemera in the form of banners, costumes, uh, uh, all sorts of materials, baseballs, um, we have a lot of scrapbooks, we also have a Greco-Roman collection of coins and antiquities, we even have a few, believe it or not, some Byzantine textiles, very small fragments, but they're there, we do have them. We've got a lot of sculpture, and that includes wooden sculpture, it includes contemporary sculpture, it includes marble, it includes bronze sculptures. Many of them are busts, but some are contemporary sculptures that are interactive. Uh, we also have a lot of drawings in our collections, original graphite or pen and ink drawings. Uh, we also have a lot of Italian art and artifacts, including this beautiful wooden carved panel that's painted. It's actually a panel from the Sicilian Wedding Cart, um, and that is in our collections. And then we have an extensive collection of Japanese woodblock prints, Chinese ceramics, Chinese scrolls, they're catalog, yet, don't get too excited, but we're going to start cataloguing that in September so we can roll them out and make them available for researchers as well. Um, if you'd like to, to request a display window, uh, windows that Alan was speaking about. Here's the URL. Again, they're open on a first-come, first-served basis. We have, we've six windows, now we have three windows. Mm -hmm. Um, So the earlier you book them, the better. Um, And pretty much they're available for all sorts of reasons. If you want to advertise your upcoming event, like Peter Shine, there's a window for that right now. Um, Alan has taken advantage of the windows to promote talks or commemorate certain historical events. Uh, a lot of students have used this for scholarship. I've had students that studied abroad and were offered an extra credit assignment. So some of them got very creative and they did a photo essay in the Windows to highlight their scholarship, and their professor gave them extra credit. Even if you don't get extra credit for it, it's a wonderful way to share your journey with people. And I've had people do it just for, uh, you know, the enjoyment of doing it and sharing. Um, Sharing your experiences with people. We can also highlight faculty scholarship in the windows in any form. We've posted um, displays of recent publications from different colleges. Um, we've also displayed artwork done by students in all programs, whether they were taking art as an elective or their art majors. Um, we also had nursing students. A lot of nursing students, believe it or not, do quilts and make sculpture and paint and draw. So we've done windows highlighting that. Um, And staff have had windows as well um, of their artwork or their scholarship. We also draw attention to student organizations, sometimes they do fundraisers, sometimes there are fraternities or sororities that have an event and we're more than happy to promote that or the organizations. Um, You know, all sorts of uses, so not limited to these things, just some examples. And here's some examples of some programs and events that are possible at the gallery. i um, are looking at an image right now of a symposium organized by two of my very talented museum study students about two years ago, about just about a year and a half ago. Um, but we've also hosted events for other groups. Um, you know, we do like space hosting, basically. My primary um, concern is the safety of the objects and fire codes. But if we can host your event and there's enough room, let's go for it, talk to me. So I worked with Forrest Pritchett and we did some MLK scholars symposium hosted in the gallery a few times. Way back in the day, we did Shakespeare uh, Day mm-hmm. and all day students were, you know, reading and orating in the gallery. It was wonderful. Uh, we occasionally host poetry in the round or in the individual poets. Um, we did that recently with... Um, Dermot Quinn mm-hmm. and Niall. What's his last name? Do you remember oh, the Irish, Sh- the Irish dramatist, poet? He was great. Michelle.
1: My So, thank you. she appreciate
2: Thank you. Thank you. I wouldn't say with the no. wonderful accent you had. Um, we've also been some uh, hosted d- digital humanities programs uh, like the Moving Archive. Um, we've even done some teachers in-service workshops. So I worked with back in the day, I worked with um, graduate education students that had to fulfill coursework, um, and we also had teachers, uh, K-12 teachers, that needed to do their uh, in-service credits for professional uh, professional education. So the graduate students basically fulfilled, they created lesson plans working with students at the Hill school, and then they took those lesson plans back and held a workshop in a university center downstairs, and worked through those lesson plans with K-12 teachers who then got credit and um, were able to keep up their certifications. So we can do things like that. Um, and we got a little bit of grant money to facilitate that. And at the end of the hands-on workshop with the students and teachers, then we used the display windows to highlight their artwork. So it was like win-win-win, and it was like a series of permutations of how we could work with the students and the Ivy Hills uh, School at the same time. I could host some lectures that you might organize. Um, whether, whether, whether or not the subject meets with what we're displaying in the gallery, that's the material, I think it's all culture, um, so constrained by what's on exhibit just at that moment. Um, it's a really nice backdrop if we're able to host your events. Much, much more cozy than going to some kind of generic place like the back rooms, although I use them a lot too. Um, we've hosted film screenings, particularly films that were produced by students for their um, classes and we posted lectures by students and faculty. Uh, we had musical performances in the galleries, you know, like like chamber music kind of things. Um, and we have had crowdsourced projects like pop-up museums or I've worked with uh, artists who wanted people to reflect on the content of the artwork. So we had uh, little art-making sections in the back where people could make art in response to exhibits and then we uh, posted their art in the back of the gallery so they were on exhibit two and that was all documented. Um, and then we had something as simple as just a place in the back of the gallery with post-it notes and people could just write how they were feeling. Or, you know, especially if there's difficult subject matter that's hard to digest, it's a way for people to reconcile their feelings and express them constructively. So all of these things and more are possible in the gallery. It's really a place for possibilities. So that's my last slide. And speaking of possibilities, I'm open to all of your ideas. So please. Uh, just pick my brain and come and collaborate with us. If you need to reach me, there's my email at the bottom and there is the URL where you can peruse our website and look through some of our uh, archived materials and when I say archived, not in the same way I'm using it a bunch of looser, non-specific terms, but you can look through our our past exhibits and catalogues at this URL. Thank you for coming and arranging this and thank you so much for your time. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I, so um, um, I'll be emailing uh, Jean soon to, to ask her to, you know, when you know what's happening next year. Um, it didn't work out this fall for various reasons, but what I've done in the past is when Jean has. <coughs>